Welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. Show notes can be found on rockstartoday.com forward slash podcast. You will also find a link to sign up to the Rockstar Today Backstage Pass Facebook group. And now your host, Randall. Welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. Very excited today because we have in studio Giovanni Marsico. Now, Giovanni is the founder and CEO of Archangel Academy. He's a three times Emmy winning producer. And if you haven't seen his film, I highly recommend it. It will be in the show notes. He's also a TEDx speaker that will be in the show notes as well. But to really put it into the essence of who Giovanni is, if you're into comic books, Giovanni is Professor X. And he likes to gather everyone who is gifted and he helps them in ways that we can't even begin to describe. He is the founder of the Archangel Summit. Now, I've been a participant since the early days, seeing Gary Vaynerchuk, Simon Sinek, Seth Golden, Robin Sharma, Damon John, Arlene Dickinson, and so many, so many other people, all with the purpose of helping those in the audience. He's also done masterminds with Jay Abraham, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, two of my favorite ones that you've done so far, and uh, Earl Amin, which was also a very amazing one, and so many other guests as well. Giovanni, welcome to the show. I am very honored to be here. Thank you. I want to start off like every superhero has an origin story. So I want to take you back to the year 1986 <laughs> when you heard the word gifted. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. For sure. So I was in fifth grade and the, the schools were doing IQ testing. It was like a, a thing for the whole school board. I scored really high. And because of that, they said, you should go into what's called gifted programming or gifted school. So once a week, I would take a bus to a different school, be with a bunch of gifted kids. And then when I would go back to my regular school, I would start getting bullied. And it was a really weird thing and, and painful, bullied for being smart, which I, as a kid, I never understood why is this happening and started to hate the word gifted because it was the reason why I was being, I was sticking out. I was different. We also moved around a lot when I was in school elementary. So I went to five different elementary schools. Oh, wow. And it was just the challenge of always being the new kid. And I think part of what was really fun now looking back was that it taught me the lesson of how to connect with people, how to get people, get new people to like me and how to get them to connect with each other. And then going into high school, this is in the early nineties. I, I fell in love with comic books. And back then, if you remember, it wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Today, superheroes are everything. Every top box office movie is a superhero movie. Back then, geek you were was called, not chic. yeah, no, you were a geek or a nerd or, and those words weren't positive back then. It was a bad thing. So I had to, I start. I fell in love with comic books, but had to read them in secret. And then in, I was 16, I, I discovered the X-Men in my very first X-Men comic book the very first page I saw, it said Xavier school for gifted youngsters. And I found that word again. And this time it, it changed. It was a paradigm shifting event for me because now the word I hated, it meant superpower. 
it meant a good thing. And in those, if you know those stories, the X-Men, the leader, Professor X, finds these people who have something that makes them stand out uh, that they don't like. They think it's a curse. And he shows them that the curse can become a gift. And if you harness the gift, it becomes a superpower. And back then, I would say, when I grow up, I want to lead a team of superheroes like the X-Men. And I want to be the real life Professor X. So that was, and that, you know, in high school, it's a joke, but I took it seriously. And that's what we've done. And the reason I bring up the moving to different schools is that the curse of always being the new kid or the thing I thought was a curse unleashed the gift of bringing people together, of, of, of creating community, because I never had it. I never fit in. So I discovered how to make people fit in with me and how to create friendships and relationships and communities. And, and I started producing events when I was 16 in high school. And our very first event had a thousand people. It just skyrocketed since then. But that part of me has always been there. And, and if I didn't go through that painful experience, I don't know if the gift would have been unleashed. It reminds me of Dr. Benjamin Hardy and how you can reframe something, which is kind of a traumatic event. Right. And just the reframing of it gives it new meaning and allows you to grow from the experience. That's just one thing I got from uh, your experience. And the other thing that I got as well is that, and, and I know this because I know that you're very authentic, but you did not change yourself to build your tribe. You just found out how to speak a way to gather people that were like-minded. I don't think, you know, you, you had a passion as a DJ, you had a passion for music. So you organized these big, DJ events, which was uh, the beginning of this whole thing. Yeah. And it, it's the opposite. It's not changing yourself. It's actually being yourself mm -hmm. that attracts people who are aligned with you. And by vocalizing and, and showing up and, and being your own platform for your authenticity, it sets out a vibration that people pick up on. You felt it. And the coolest thing is to create community of people who are aligned with you, where they give you the safety to be yourself. And that gives them the safety to be themselves. And that container creates magic. And people grow faster in community. And you heal faster in community. And there's so much awesome, so many awesome things that happen in community that can't happen when you're on your own. And I think, you know, we all are afraid. None of us want to be alone. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to find a community of like-minded, like-hearted people who accept you, who get you who know how you feel and support and cheerlead the future that you want to create. Now, when it comes to musicians, what you said is, again, very true. I find that musicians who are true to themselves and they don't try to fit a mold, maybe to just have a song, make it big on Spotify or to reach a, an audience that maybe isn't really their own or they're not really speaking their truth. I find that those that are really authentic uh, they might not have huge success, but the fans that they do have, have much deeper connections, which goes to the thousand fan, true fans oh, theory, which is something. I love, like, yeah, like Kevin Kelly in that whole article um, is so relevant for both our worlds, because even as a musician uh, or any kind of artist, when you understand that everything you do is about relationship, not only the relationship that your fans have with you, but that your fans have with each other. And if you connect fans to each other, you're building community that's so entrenched and deep rooted that they stay for life. 
I love all live experience. It's one of my, like, I love producing them and I love attending. If I could buy a ticket for anything, it's my favorite thing, whether it's a concert, whether it's a, a business conference, Cirque du Soleil, whatever it is, because I love seeing experience design and I love seeing how people bring community together. I remember, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but Lady Gaga. Yeah. Like when, when I, I was hoping you talk about that. Yeah. The, the year I started my company, 2014, I was doing research on, on community and community building. And I was really obsessed because I, I said, I, I want to build the world's biggest community of change makers of people who are obsessed with helping other people. And I studied, you know, Seth Godin, who's my favorite author on the marketing side, but he also wrote an amazing book called tribes that I highly recommend. And then I thought, okay, I, I also love the music industry. Love it. I followed it my whole life as a producer, as an event producer, as a concert promoter, producer. So I have all of that. And in 2014, thinking most of the industry feels like it's in decline, like number of sales per track, per album, all that kind of stuff. But why are there certain artists who are still crushing it? What is it about them that's different? And Lady Gaga at the time was one that came up. And I thought, what is it about? Because I wasn't really a fan. I kind of like the music, but I, I have, would have never called myself a fan. So I said, okay, let's do some research. I bought two tickets to her concert because she was coming to Toronto. And I thought, I'm going to go and figure this out. <laughs> I was the only person of the you know 30,000 people with a pen and notepad taking notes. but uh, And I had a friend with me. But what I found was so magical because the first thing I think she did genius was to be hyper-specific with who the audience is where I don't think she ever went after a top 40 kind of audience. She said, I'm going to go after the fringe. Like if you were ever bullied, if you never fit in, I'm going to finally give you a place to fit in. And yeah. And, and then naming branding the tribe itself. So, you know, it's not just lady Gaga fans, it's little monsters and they have the whole culture around that and secret handshakes and social media platforms and making it about them to connect with each other. And then when they show up, it's like Comic-Con. It's like everyone is dressed up, but they're not. They're actually themselves. It's probably the safest they've ever felt to be themselves, even if they're in a costume. And the interactivity she has with fans while she's on, all that kind of stuff is like, she's all about this community. It's relationship building. If you ask anyone in that audience who's a hardcore uh, little monster, they have a relationship with her. And with each other, mm -hmm. which is another key thing that I think a lot of people miss. It's not just about the relationship with the fan. It's connecting fans to each other, building community that's connected. And I mentioned Comic-Con, right? Same thing with Comic-Con. Um, being a superhero lover since that time, before it was a big deal, you were bullied or picked on for liking this stuff. And then Comic-Con comes along and gives you a safe space to be yourself, whether you're dressed up as Iron Man or whatever it is or cosplay or any of that kind of stuff, but you're around your people. And as an artist, if you start to figure out who are my people and how do I give them a space to show up and be themselves, that is to me, one of the most important things to do in the music industry. Like, especially now, where does, where does revenue come from for an artist? There's only, there's only three ways right now. That's yeah. the problem. <laughs> touring, merch sales, which kind of only happen when you're touring and Album song sales, streaming, which okay. is on the decline. So the big problem with the industry right now is not a lot of people have figured out what is revenue stream number four, five, six. 
how can you, you know, find more avenues to bring in some money what, to actually be able to live off? What of is, what is the, the underlying component of touring and merch is community. Exactly. Right. And, and to me, that's where all the focus or the majority of focus needs to happen. I, I always come through a lens of marketer, business person, entrepreneur, but to me, the music itself is a lead generator for the community. It's like a beacon you send out to say, hey, if you're one of us, you might like this, come join the community. Mm -hmm. What I find also interesting is we're talking about superheroes, but you also speak a lot about super words, which are ways to attract or to have something that kind of reaches outside of the noise to attract people by using super words. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that, how that's used to build a community? Yeah, I think when you understand what a community is, it is a group of people who have shared values, who have shared culture, who have shared journeys. They're all on the same path with each other. They all want a bigger and better future that's kind of similar. There's, they may be diverse in terms of demographics or any of those kinds of things you can try to measure, but they all have a common heart. They all have a common place they want to get to. And when you understand language as part of that, because what actually makes culture? If you, if you take out the business stuff altogether, when you think of the word culture with respect to the world, common cultures have common beliefs and common language. It's the things that bind them. And if you understand the importance of language, then you start to create your own sort of language for your community. It's, it's more of a marketing conversation, but super words to me is when you are using the words already in the minds of the people you want to connect with. It's language that they have. It's creating a resonance through words where they feel like if you were speaking to them through language, through words, they're thinking, wow, this person gets me. And when you get to that place of this person gets me, you start to build trust. Trust leads to relationship. Relationship leads to community. And, and from a business perspective, that leads to building a business. Mm -hmm. We all need to shift focus. This is my belief, but we all need to shift focus from being transactional where it's, hey, I'll sell you my album for this much money to being relational and relationship building, where it's, hi, I want to support you. We're in this together. And then by the way, these things you can buy from me are tools in deepening our relationship. Like who learned how not to use words because at the beginning, the podcast kind of sponsors uh, mastermind sessions where I take eight or 10 musicians uh, they turn out to be mostly people I've interviewed because they're the ones that trust me the most, mostly from Toronto, Montreal. We got in a Zoom call and I do the same framework that I use when I do it with businesses, with IT companies. Now, I called this like a mastermind sampler, but the super words were going right over people's heads. They could not understand the term mastermind, which is a term I'm so familiar with. Right. So I've had to kind of change it to like a music business jam session. Perfect to speak to who I'm speaking to so that they understand, okay, jam session, it's us going with maybe some people that we don't know or kind of friends that we don't normally work with and we're just going to jam. And of course, I put the title business in there so they know that it's going to be about building their music business together. And I, I learned that I was getting hardly any responses. I'm going, this is such a valuable thing and I'm doing it for free because I want to support the community. And nobody was showing up or they, I mean, they were showing up because they trusted me, but it was hard to get people that I did not have a 
intimate relationship, my own little tribe to join until I started changing the wording. So wording is so important. I, I learned it the hard way and I should have, I should have paid attention to super words earlier. Well, you learning things the hard way is a gift to the people in your community because you can help them fast track through the pain you've been through. So I yeah. think as, as leaders, we often become our own guinea pigs, our, our scientists, our own scientists experimenting to figure things out the hard way so that the value we provide for other people is to fast track or even avoid the pain we've been through. Maybe I, I want to talk because this is not about me, but maybe my experience can help. I was going through some sort of crisis where I was trying to find myself. I, I was not maybe happy with where I was in life. And I thought that I was missing out on something. I had FOMO, but I didn't know what I was missing out on. So I started going to these events. And there's two events in particular that really had an impact on me. Uh, one was a Jason Gaynard event where we were in Vegas. And I would say that was the beginning of a shift for me where I... I figured out that my ego was taking a lot of the decisions. I was doing things because I needed some sort of attention that was just never getting filled. So I had to start working on that. Then I started going to your event and a few others, but I ended up shifting through all those events and, and choosing Archangel as my, the only event I'm going to be really loyal to, you know, get the full experience every time I go. And the reason why is because of that community and also, you know, it is a, a business event, I would say, but not really. It's also one where there's a lot of personal development. And I would really say if, if any musician is out there, this is really an event uh, that you must attend. Even though you're going to get some business advice, there's a lot of stuff that's going to apply to you uh, personally. I think there's a lot of struggles with musicians not feeling that they're capable of running a business because that's what a musician is now. It's a business and getting that confidence sometimes means attending events like this where you're around people and you kind of get that. Well, I'm going to word, use another word that you have as synergy has some sort of synergy with other people and it starts resonating and building up. Well, can I tell you a secret? Yeah. Entrepreneurship and business growth is one of the most profound journeys in personal development there is. And both of those things are completely aligned. You can't have one without the other. You can't grow a business without growing yourself. Because I think there's a mis... I've had a lot of conversations like this. There's a misconception that as you become more successful in any endeavor, the problems go away or it becomes easier. And it's actually the opposite. The more successful you become, the bigger the problems become because you are growing to that level to be able to tackle bigger problems and solving bigger problems is more valuable. So you make more money by solving bigger problems. It's one giant path. You can't have one without the other. So we make sure that in anything we do, if we're focused on business growth, we have to be focused on how do you become the person that can make the bigger goals happen? How do you transform yourself to grow, to take on more responsibility, to be a better leader, and that transcends everything else. So they're all completely related. I would even say that the way you show up to these events has a big influence on what you will get out of it. In fact, if you go to an event, and I had to do the shift a couple of years ago, which it was not the beginning of my journey, it was kind of partway through, where I shifted from what can I get out of this, which was the wrong way to do this, 
because I, I just did not know. We, you talked about the, you know, vibration and resonance the other, or a little bit earlier, but once I shifted to going to an event and not looking to find the most important person, you know, just being present, if I was speaking to somebody to being present with that conversation, not looking over their shoulder to see if there's somebody else I should be paying attention to that might be more important than them, that completely changed everything because I was no longer going there getting anything for myself. I was seeing who can I help in this room? I remember going to, I was at one of your events uh, at the VIP day and I, I met Winston Young and we just kind of locked eyes and we said, I want to talk to this guy. And we ended up going for lunch and we've become good friends ever since. We have these deep conversations about storytelling. And, you know, this was not somebody that I, I knew. I didn't know who he was, but just going in there and seeing how we can help each other out. And we have helped each other out. So I find that very interesting that the way we show up, uh, and I'm, I would assume that same thing with the concert. If you're performing and you're showing up only with the idea of what can I get from these people in the crowd, it's not going to have the same impact of what can I give? What kind of experience can I give them? That is one of the keys to life in general. I think, especially if someone is feeling anxiety or tension or stress or any of those kinds of emotions, it's often because we're shining the spotlight on ourselves. And I like to say that if you think of a spotlight, imagine an actual spotlight on you and you turned the spotlight 180 degrees. So now it's facing the audience, especially in, in this context, it's even, it's More literal, clear. it's literal, right? So turn the spotlight onto the audience as a beacon, like a bad signal kind of thing where you make it all about them. And to me, that applies in everything we do. And when we shift that spotlight to a beacon and we make it about the people we want to help, the people we want to serve, whatever that looks like, you almost don't have time to be anxious because you're your focus is somewhere else. It's on being a gift and sharing your gift. And that impact alleviates the anxiety. It actually helps you feel, get, get aligned and connected to purpose and mission and, and joy and all those kinds of things. Well, we know that we can't focus on two things at once. So we can't focus on fear and gratitude. So if you're, you know, you have that gratitude to be in the room and you have the gratitude to help that audience that takes away a lot of the fear. Totally. Something I wanted to talk about, which I also think goes hand in hand, is at that Lady Gaga experience that you had, there was one point where she did turn her attention and made it about her fans. I think it was somebody at the piano. Yeah. I have very vivid memory of this, and I think you can probably search it up on YouTube. So she often has fans throwing things on stage instead of having security, just clean it up. She's genius. She'll interact with whatever it is. So if someone threw a teddy bear, she'll dance with the bear. I remember she was wearing this like flowy dress thing. Someone threw up a denim vest and she put it on over the, it didn't make any sense, mm -hmm. but to that fan seeing your thing, and it was probably a handcrafted thing. She's wearing it. Wow. Uh, one of the fans threw up a letter in an envelope. So she grabs the letter, goes to the piano, starts riffing on the piano opens it up and she's reading the letter while she's playing it was such a cool thing she's reading the letter while she's playing the piano and she, as she's reading she's saying um uh, hi gaga my name is Brittany. i'm 16 years old i recently came out to my parents and it didn't go well and uh, they kicked me out of the house and the story got worse and worse and worse and she just stopped and she said where's this Brittany 
excuse my language if I can't swear on that. Um, and she grabs this Brittany girl in the audience who's 16 or 17, brings her on stage, has her sit beside her on the piano, is giving her like personal development advice about how to deal with this. And then she starts playing um, the song Born This Way, but she's singing it to Brittany. So I suck at singing, but it was like, hey, Brittany. So she's actually, and imagine 20, 30,000 people all crying at the same time. The emotional connection that happened was life-changing for everybody there. It was one of the most magical experiences. I have, um, I got to find, I have my own footage because I was filming a bit of it, but I'm like, I don't want to be that person who spends a whole concert filming on their phone. Yeah. I want to actually be present and be here, but I think you can find it on YouTube. All this of course leads to trying to do something a little differently. Everybody is doing the same thing in the music industry. And I think uh, the reason why all the projects that you seem to have are successful because you're doing things a little bit differently. You're not in it for what you can get out of it. You're really shining that spotlight on other people. The same thing applies in music. But I think a lot of people have a fear, a fear of performing or maybe putting stuff out. I want to refer to something you just basically talked about, which is your first is your worst. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. I came up with that line in, in conversation with some coaching clients and I just loved it because in any endeavor or anything activity we do, the first time we do it is by its nature, the worst time, typically, if it's something you want to practice and get better at, whether it's playing an instrument or brushing your teeth or riding a bicycle or kissing your partner, the, the first time is typically the worst until you developed the, the craft. And I think novelty for anybody creates anxiety because it's outside your comfort zone. So, you know, most people today probably aren't nervous to brush your teeth or a lot of things like that. It's just ritual habit routine. The first time you did it was probably way more anxiety inducing because it's a new thing. Anytime we have to do a new thing, even as adults, there's anxiety because it's different. We've never done it before. We don't know what the outcome could be. And it's outside of our realm of consciousness and it's outside of our comfort zone. And yet most growth happens outside our comfort zone. So part of this process is to have the understanding of this framework so that you start, you have just enough courage to take the first little step in the direction of something outside your comfort zone, because you know that the more you do it, the bigger your comfort zone gets. And eventually it just becomes like brushing your teeth. And yet that fear of a new thing often paralyzes most of us. Mm -hmm. So if you're an artist or a musician, it could be marketing yourself or any kind of business kind of stuff as, as an entrepreneur, it might be, oh man, there's a new social media platform. I, I just don't want to deal with it. And you'll come up with all the excuses of why you don't want to do it. But really the main excuse is it's new. And this whole process is even worse if you have an established expertise in something because we're afraid to look like a newbie or we're afraid to, to look like a beginner in some way because we are known for something, right? So if you are an award-winning guitarist and now you're being told, well, you should probably learn how to use a looping machine. I'm just making this up. I have no idea. If you're not used to it, then you're like, oh man, if, what if I suck? What if people see me sucking at a new thing? And that feeling prevents us from doing or trying new things. And yet that's where the growth happens. So 
the next time you're in the position of feeling that anxiety to remember, you just need the, the ounce of courage to do it the first time and make it suck. Like I just launched my own show, like a podcast and YouTube show. The I don't think it's the gift of show thing. I don't think it sucks. And my first episode by far is going to be the worst one. By the way, my, the recording of my, or during the recording of my first episode, I had COVID, but I'm like, I'm not canceling. <laughs> so I have to be a pro. I don't care. I got through it. So that's an insider thing that nobody knows. You're, so if you ever check out my first episode, I actually had COVID while I recorded it. I didn't care. Uh, I had to show up for people. And it was with a live audience on Zoom. So I was like, I, I got to make sure I do this. And once the first one's out of the way, it, it's kind of like, um, I think, you know, I, I love analogies for, for NASA or Elon Musk or any of them to get a spaceship into orbit, 80% of the fuel is used in takeoff mm-hmm. because that's where the most friction and resistance is. Once the spaceship thing, a rocket is in space, you don't actually need a lot of fuel. And it's like that for anything we do. We need 80% of the fuel to start. And then you can kind of not coast, but it's way easier. There's way less friction once you've started on the path of whatever it is that you want to do. That kind of reminds me of another one you've talked about, which is how tall is your bamboo? Because a lot of times we put work into a project and we don't see the results till much later on, but it's still happening. Something is happening, even though we're not seeing results. It just might take some time. Yeah, I think we, we're in a culture now where there's always complete instant gratification. If you imagine you were a farmer and you planted a seed of whatever crop, let's say corn, I'll just make one up. And the next day you go out and you're getting pissed because, you know, where's my corn? I can't eat right now. All of these things take nurturing and time and consistency and repetition to actually grow. But once your the, the growth cycle has happened, you reap the reward of the fruit or whatever the thing is. We just don't have the patience to understand the process. And we want things so fa- like we want everything to be like Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if it's not here in an hour, I'm pissed off because we have, we're used to that with things like Amazon, but the opportunity is because most of us are like that. If you have the perseverance and consistency to do something on a regular basis, you will outpace everybody. So 10 years from now, it may not even be that long, a year from now, three years from now, you become an overnight success while everyone can't figure out what you're doing, but it's because you were consistent in doing the thing over and over and over again, like building a social media uh, or building any kind of community. It's brutal at the beginning or any kind of audience or a podcast show or anything we're doing. It's always brutal until you get to that place where the rocket ship is in orbit. Or for like bamboo, the one you're talking about, it takes five years before it even sprouts. Right. And then in the fifth year, it grows to 90 feet tall in five weeks. Right. So it's that tipping point where you just needed to kind of break ground, so to speak. But it didn't grow in the five weeks. It grew in the five years, five weeks. So Correct. all that is part of the overnight success, so, so, so to speak. Totally. I think one thing that helps a lot with all of this too, and it goes back to your origin story, is when your parents told you to get your head out of the clouds. <laughs> and you did not listen to them, thankfully, and for all the people that you've helped, uh, because you are a dreamer. 
So let's let's maybe uh, discuss uh, just a, about the film Dreamers and how that changed your outlook on things. I mean, you've went from organizing large scale events to now being a producer on a film. Well, I think one of the benefits of the events we've done and everything I've done up until this point was that I've surrounded myself with people who dream bigger than me. And that has been a catalyst for me growing for all the things we've done. And at the same time, I'm also a huge fan of film, of fiction, movies, especially superhero movies, mm -hmm. uh, because of my comic book background. And I just saw this connection one day of, you know, we love the fictional characters, but a lot of people don't have real life superheroes to look up to that give them the actual inspiration they want or the same kind of feeling they get from these fictional characters. And you and I know these people. There are actual humans who are changing the world and doing big things that most people don't even know exist. So I thought part of what I want to do, part of why I'm here is to share my network with people, to showcase real life superheroes who are doing big things. You know, the, the events, the in-person events were the first way of doing this, putting people on stage. Then it, uh, I thought, well, how do we reach more people? And another childhood dream was to produce a movie. So a friend of mine is a director and I approached him with the idea and we collaborated and partnered. And the, the final product is called Dreamer, which is about real life superheroes who have in, in different stories who have uh, had a big dream and then executed on it to help a lot of people. The film finished production 2020 because of pandemics and stuff. We thought, okay, let's essentially give it away for a week. So we did this week-long online world premiere in the summer of 2020. We had over 100,000 people watch it. The people said they like, watched it 10 times, they're crying. And as part of the, the, the film world, which I'm still getting used to, part of the collaboration was that they're all in it. They know it. We, we started, now we're in film festivals. So we've done a bunch of festivals, but then the film was applied for Emmys. It won three Emmy awards, which is like, holy crap. That's so cool. And hopefully we'll be in distribution with a giant streaming platform this year, but we have to do the film festival rep first, which is happening right now. And already starting to work on our second film, mm -hmm. which is currently codename hero. I'll keep you posted. Definitely watch the film if you can. It's inspiring to see, like, like you mentioned, solving bigger problems just means it's the same amount of effort. Right. It's just that you're helping more people and that's how big, big dreams can kind of come true. But it also shows the advantage of being a dreamer. And I think uh, as musicians, it's good to dream. It's good to have that aspiration to have an impact on more people. And, you know, it doesn't have to be millions of people. <laughs> Right. Even if you have a small tribe, if you can affect them and help them in any way, uh, I think you can be truly happy and even make a, an okay living. You don't have to be rich. Rich Money is not going to solve, like we talked about, the issues. It's just going to amplify them. So right. work on yourself. And a lot of these things that you do with, the, with your community, I think could also help musicians. So if there's a doorway that somebody that's maybe shy about getting into this world could go through, which one would it be? Would it be the event, like the summit, or would it be the academy or synergy or the podcast? I think step one, part of the reason we did the show is in the same reason we did the movie to introduce people to experts and, and authors and speakers and, and 
those who have amazing wisdom around becoming the person that can make your dream come true. So I would say um, subscribe to the show, either audio on wherever, Apple, all the places, or YouTube, putting energy into the visual version of this show, which is a lot of fun. And then archangel.cc is the website. You can go get a whole bunch of free stuff, join our campus, which is all free. And you'll actually get to see the movie. Every talk that's ever happened at our big event at Summit, you can watch videos of those talks and it's all free. So it's, it's our gift to help people start on this journey. And then if they want to continue with us, we can chat about that later. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that uh, you do, Giovanni, is that you always somehow seem to outdo yourself at every event. I remember eating a meal once at one of your events and there's circus performers in the background. There's always magic that's happening somewhere. And I think that is because of the people that you attract. And I I feel comfortable in your tribe. And I think that musicians would too, because I think creatives and entrepreneurs are all looking for the same thing. They want to have an effect with what they're doing, with their time. And I think if you can basically attach effect to the hard work that you're doing, that could bring contentment and happiness. And I think that's something that's lacking in the world. People are wasting time on on things that have no meaning. Like when you're truly giving gifts, uh, like you said, being gifted is is a part of that word is, is having a gift to give. Right. And we are, we are all artists. Our art is our gift. And then some of us get paid for that. And it's amazing. And you can build a, a thriving business career, whatever you want off of that. And, you know, our experiences that we do all have a musical component. We always have musical performances because to me, that's how you create an experience. It's like, if you ever watched a movie in a theater, imagine the movie without music, it would be boring. It's the soundtrack that actually creates the, the energy and the emotion and the tension that makes the experience epic. And I infuse that into our events. So I'd love to support local artists too. So any, like we're in Toronto, any Toronto, Montreal musicians find us because we want to help support. Well, we had Dio Gibson in one of our last episodes. So nice. performed at one of your events, basically freestyle rapping. I remember uh, he was basically reading off the, the stream and we just incorporate that <laughs> And I know it was real because I, I asked him to rap about something and he did. So uh, that amazing. was obviously uh, an interesting thing. Theo's uh, awesome. We just had a great chat. And I really enjoyed speaking with you, Gio. I thank you for your time. You're a busy man. You have a lot of projects. Your wife is doing amazing too with all our work with health. Bought the book for my wife. So nice. uh, I'll put that in the show notes too so you can support the whole family. Love it. And can I just commend you on your great fashion sense? <laughs> got my uh my swag (laughs) so uh, obviously you pick up a lot of stuff along the years and uh, i always i really feel that the archangel community is one that anybody can join and feel that they fit in and i've never had such good and intimate conversations with people that did not feel like it was fake i've been to others i won't name them uh, but i've been to other events and you can tell that it's a bunch of people just wanting to be rich. And that whole atmosphere is almost in a way a little bit toxic because everybody's being a little bit greedy and there's not as enough giving. And in fact, the people that are attending these events are successful and they're getting more successful, but it's because of the giving, the gifts, the dreams, all that together creates the synergy that you've uh, 
just trying to use your buzzwords Thanks. <laughs> that you're doing. So thank you so much. And we look forward to the next event. We'll be, I will be there for sure. I'm hoping that other musicians will follow suit and uh, get a general admission ticket. You can be in the back, come and find me. You know what I look like. I'll show you the ropes as uh, Giovanni will be nice. way too busy juggling all that he has to juggle during these events. Thank you so much, Giovanni. I wish you success and we can't wait to meet you again in person. Thank you. If you enjoy the show, share it with other musicians. Help us spread the word. Theme song written and performed by Wolves at Midnight. Thanks for listening to the Rockstar Today podcast. Now go out there and rock your business like you rock the stage.